Hello, and welcome to the latest in our series of podcasts, companion to the Primary Care Excellence Work, which has been created for all primary care staff in Greater Manchester. I'm Lynn Marsland. If you've missed any episodes, you can go back and download them anytime from wherever you already get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your colleagues so as many people as possible hear the series. I'm joined today by Dominic Anderson, the Programme Manager for the Greater Manchester Primary Care Health and Wellbeing Programme. Dominic has initiated so much good, supportive work, as well as commissioning all of our podcasts. In this episode, we'll learn more from Dominic about how the programme started, what is available and the positive impact of encouraging ourselves and our teams to focus on keeping well, both mentally and physically. So, Dominic, let's get started. Thanks for joining us today on the uh, other side of the fence, as it were. Tell me a bit about the background to the Primary Care Health and Wellbeing Programme, where it stemmed from and what your role encompasses. So even before the COVID-19 pandemic started, pressures on primary care specifically were already high. Retention rates were changing. Um, People were leaving primary care because of the pressures on the workforce. And we're getting reports from organisations like the British Medical Journal reporting that primary care colleagues were experiencing higher levels of stress and burnout than they had done previously. And that was particularly across general practice and the community pharmacy workforce. But... We know that throughout the pandemic, primary care staff were in the workplace, they were supporting the population and they were learning new ways of working. So not only were they experiencing what everybody else was going through in terms of coping with the pandemic, they were also working throughout and providing high levels of service to keep people safe, to keep people well Mm -hmm. and doing their normal day jobs in a really unusual and stressful and demanding situation. So that was even before we came through the pandemic. So that was recognised, particularly in Greater Manchester. Demand was escalating. Although people were trying to keep away from primary care, people were still becoming ill, people were still needing help, people were still going to pharmacists and needing to get the support that they needed to manage their own well-being throughout. And staff became more and more fatigued by managing that demand and working through it. And post-pandemic, that hasn't improved. Demand continued to increase and pressures have continued to increase. So the staff who are now working in primary care have been through all of that, come out the other side of the pandemic and are dealing with the stress of having worked through it and the continuing pressure and demand of being in primary care. And that includes increasing demand from patients, potentially higher levels of expectation from what patients expect those services to provide. And because of that, sometimes increasing levels of aggression from patients. So all of this is building up in terms of the pressure that the primary care staff are facing at the moment. And that's what led to the birth of the health and wellbeing service in primary care in Greater Manchester, which continues. It was originally set up as a six-month pilot to respond to that need. 
You mentioned there, Dominic, the public expectations and the impact on our staff and the public of having been through a pandemic. And I think there's something as well about the current media portrayal of the NHS and in particular primary care and accessibility. And we know as well that there has been quite a bit of national focus on the health and well-being of our staff. Yes. So if you think back to the pandemic, when the NHS were treated as heroes, the NHS workforce were treated as heroes. And rightly so, because as I say, they were working throughout that period under extreme pressure. What's happened since the pandemic, as demand has continued to grow, and as I said before, even before the pandemic started, there were pressures on the primary care workforce with issues around retention, people leaving the primary care workforce, and that's continued to be the case. So although we have lower numbers of people working across all professional roles in primary care, the demand from the public has continued to increase. And actually, in terms of what we see in primary care, more people, more patients are being seen now than they were before the pandemic started. They may be seen via video link, they may be seen face to face. Those decisions are taken by primary care professionals who decide and triage what is the best way for patients to receive the help that they need. But because of that care, then more people, more patients are being seen at the moment. Unfortunately, what we have is a hostile media and there's a lot of reporting across all media criticising the way that patients are able to access primary care at the moment. There's a lot of emphasis on face-to-face appointments and that's not always the best way for patients to receive an appointment and it's certainly not the best way to manage demand in a pressured system. It's only by managing that, that demand that the numbers of patients that are being seen currently are able to be seen. So People working in primary care have gone from being heroes to being criticised constantly in the media, which continues to add pressure in terms of their mental well-being and how they feel about providing those levels of service when they're constantly being criticised. And the negative news stories that are out there, which you can see in the papers and on television, are really demoralising the well-being and the ability of the primary care workforce to continue to provide that level of service under extreme pressure. I think that's a really good point, Dominic. And um, certainly I don't work on the front line, but all of my work is done to support people who work on the front line. And, you know, trying to cope with everything that's going on, sometimes there's a, a tendency to forget about your own health and well-being and just try and get on with everything. So you mentioned before that there was a six-month pilot for specifically looking at primary care within Greater Manchester. But we do know there is a kind of national emphasis on health and well-being. Can you tell us a bit more about what's happening nationally and where the work that we're doing here falls within that national remit? Okay, there's a huge infrastructure around well-being, health and well-being within, well, health and social care generally. And in terms of the national picture, there are things like the NHS People Plan, which has been in place since 2020, which identified that supporting the health and well-being of the NHS workforce is actually one of the most important things that we need to continue to drive forward. 
and that support is often best placed within their place of employment, which is in you know their workplace within primary care. And it's through things like supportive workplaces, compassionate line managers and dedicated locally based support services that that kind of strategy continues to develop and be offered to the primary care workforce. And it's elements like looking after people, having a sense of belonging in the NHS. So you were saying before that we began with this six-month pilot, but I think even though it was a pilot, all of the us who were involved in that, we just knew that we couldn't do a little bit of dabbling, dare I say, with health and well-being, and then say, right, we're going to do something else next year. And you also mentioned that you'd done some evaluation of that work. But from that initial six months, you put together a plan for primary care. So how did you go about that and tell us a bit about what came out of the evaluation that you did of that pilot. So although the pilot was fairly short at six months long, it's not going to be revealing hugely statistically significant data, but it did take a snapshot and a temperature check of what it felt like to be in primary care at that point of time. And it was things like around 60% of staff felt stressed at work very or extremely often. Uh, A similar number felt as though their mental well-being was deteriorating rather than improving due to the pressures that people were under. And really worryingly, we had some kind of anecdotal feedback from people describing how they felt. Everything from feeling suicidal at rock bottom, overworked, suffering a mental breakdown, exhausted, unappreciated, tearful. All of those things came through that temperature check, which was really worrying that people were reporting and using that kind of language to describe their well-being at that point in time. So what we tried to do in terms of setting up a service was put some basic structures in place One of the key things was an online hub, which would be a repository for all the wellbeing information for the whole of primary care Mm -hmm. in one place so that people knew where to go to find the information that they needed. There is actually a huge amount of support available. Sometimes it's quite overwhelming, actually, because there is so much available and you can find that information all over the place. So to have one place where you can go to and actually find the things that you're looking for, whatever those resources might be, is one of the core objectives of the programme. It's an online health and wellbeing hub, basically, which is accessible via the Primary Care Board website. And I think, Dominic, we've said we're going to, as part of this podcast, when anybody's accessing it, the link will be there for people so they don't have to worry about scooting around trying to find all the good stuff uh, on there. You don't need a pen at the moment. We'll make sure that you get a link to that website and access to all the health and wellbeing information. And... What we were doing through the Health and Wellbeing Programme was to put all the resources that support wellbeing, but because of the feedback that we got on the temperature check, which was really people in crisis, Mm -hmm. we made sure that on the front page of that website, there were all the the crisis numbers, crisis links, and links to helplines and support that were available, so that if people were in crisis, they only had to go to the front page of that website to access 
all that kind of support that is always available 24-7. So anybody feeling, you know, in crisis, that support is available. But really, the health and wellbeing programme is not a crisis support service. It's not actually a mental health service. It's a signposting service to help people access the wide range of health and wellbeing support that's there. And from that hub, we continued to work with all our networks across primary care, across all the primary care disciplines, around communication engagement to get that information out there and to make sure that people knew where to go to find it, and then develop some of the bespoke support that we could put in place from the Health and Wellbeing Programme for Primary Care. And that included things like these Health and Wellbeing podcasts, which continue. I think Probably we will have around 20 podcasts available through that website for the Health and Wellbeing Programme. And the great thing is that any of the electronic resources that we have online continue to be accessible, so they're always available. And if you take the podcast, for example, it's always a focus on a particularly relevant primary care issue, often with a Greater Manchester focus as well. So it's very specific to our audience and people can go at any time to pick up those podcasts and to find the hints and tips that are often included within those podcasts to help around health and well-being. And then we continued with things like wellbeing webinars on a range of, of topics. There was one from the National Association of Primary Care, which looked at issues related to self-care, well-being and resilience. We put some training on, on around mental health resilience, uh, on how to have better well-being conversations within the workplace. So a lot of electronic well-being online support was made available in the initial stages of the programme. And how has the programme developed then? You mentioned there that there are links and anybody accessing the website will see there are links to what's available across Greater Manchester Health and Social Care as well, as well as the very specific work that we've put together primarily for primary care. But what other support is being planned to take this work forward, Dominic? Well, we looked at what the evaluation showed at the end of that pilot. And it did show, for example, that people who'd accessed health and wellbeing support, their stress levels had decreased as a result of accessing it. But we also looked at what people who had access support felt had most improved around their well-being. And so there was some key information coming back from that evaluation that people were reporting a good understanding or an improved understanding of their mental health. They were undertaking self-care activities to improve physical well-being. They felt they were better able to communicate with other people, other colleagues about mental health. And they also were feeling more valued by colleagues the webinars that I mentioned, the wellbeing webinars, which we ran over a six-week period, these were just over a lunchtime to try and encourage people to join. Really good positive feedback that people following those webinars said that their emotional well-being had improved and their ability to manage well-being had improved. So we kind of knew that if people were able to access some of this well-being information, they did actually feel like they had more skills, knowledge and confidence to manage their own well-being. And that's really what we were intending to do. So in terms of developing the programme, our objective then was to try and get that information out as widely as possible. And we started to develop workshops 
which focused on particular well-being topics, things that we know from anecdotal evidence from Greater Manchester, but also from things like the National NHS Health and Wellbeing Framework, which has collected a load of data from NHS colleagues across the country, are reporting around their health and well-being. So these are things like mental well-being, physical well-being, and their ability to manage their well-being. So things like people experiencing low mood, anxiety, depression, these are all always top of the list in terms of what NHS colleagues, primary care colleagues are reporting around how they are struggling with their well-being. And that has an impact on retention within the primary care workforce as well. So we know those are the things that need addressing. And through those workshops, for example, that we can run virtually, we can run them face to face. We will cover topics like managing stress, managing anxiety, going through what burnout is, things like compassion fatigue, some of the comments that come through, and go through some tools, some coping techniques and support people to take those back into the workplace and to practice them on a day-to-day basis. So it's kind of like a toolkit of skills that people can take back and use as and when they think it's going to have a beneficial impact on their well-being. And that really comes down to how we've redeveloped the programme from a wellbeing coaching approach. I mentioned before, it's not a mental health service. There are lots of mental health services out there which are fantastic, and we will certainly direct and signpost people to those services. But sometimes the starting point is just having a conversation about wellbeing, which sometimes people don't feel comfortable to do. And what the Health and Wellbeing Programme does is to give people permission to start to have those wellbeing conversations. And from that to link into the support that's available. So a wellbeing coaching approach is not going to fix you. What it will do is to provide you with those tools to enable you to do the work on yourself and prompt you to get the motivation that you need to take control of the priorities that you choose to work on around your wellbeing and find out how to minimise the things that are stressing you out, whether that's in work, whether it's at home. It doesn't matter where it is. It's trying to create the environment that enables you to start to work on the things that are important to your well-being and create a bit of an action plan around what you can do to follow through with the actions that you think are going to be important. And that self-understanding is absolutely key. And I know we talk to managers quite a lot about looking after the welfare of their staff or trying to spot when things aren't going so well for them. But it's almost like, certainly when I've been talking to managers, you have to give them permission to think about themselves as well. So the, one of the benefits of having a programme like this is it's accessible to absolutely everybody. Dominic, you mentioned there that most of the support isn't a mental health 
support framework. It's broader than just mental health. But mental health is extremely important. And you also made the point about people reporting that stress, anxiety, depression, etc. was on the increase. We know from across the NHS, whereas the main reason for sickness absence always used to be musculoskeletal problems, it's now far and above mental health, anxiety and depression. So I do know that on the website, there are some links to some more specific mental health support. Do you want to say a little bit more about that? Yeah, so well-being is made up of so many elements, including psychological, physical and practical. But we know from all the data that mental health is the key issue which is causing problems for people within the primary care workforce. So one of the things that we've done as part of the development of the health and well-being programme is create strong links with the Greater Manchester Resilience Hub and we really work in partnership to deliver our shared objectives around supporting the wellbeing needs of the primary care workforce. So we go out and do joint engagement events, we go out and talk to teams, we do wellbeing workshops, we'll go and talk to staff in their lunch break or on a coffee break, um, we've done that within practices face-to-face just to start to have those conversations with people because we know that is opening the door to people accessing the services that we both provide. So some of the key questions that we ask whenever we go out jointly to talk to people, we talk about the fact that we're promoting wellbeing support, but we're also talking about identifying the, the challenges that prevent individuals and teams from accessing support and we're asking the question, how can we work together to manage the pressures that you're experiencing in primary care? And what are the objectives that we can work towards to improve engagement across primary care disciplines? Because we know that health and social care staff are reluctant to ask for help, probably until they reach crisis. And we're trying to break down the barriers for people to talk about well-being and we are providing people with the permission to have or start to have that conversation around their own well-being and start to normalise those conversations within the workplace so that people don't feel they have to wait until they're in a crisis before they reach out and ask for the help that's available. And the Greater Manchester Resilience Hub provides a huge range of information about a whole spectrum of support that's available from psychological support. They provide support for individuals and teams. They can go into those workplaces and provide mental wellbeing workshops, right up to providing support for people who've experienced trauma and ongoing support for people who need that mental health intervention And that's available for individuals and their families for people in Greater Manchester. So it's a really wide offer. And the point of us working together is that we can provide an entry point into whatever level of support that you need from a primary care workforce perspective. So it might be that you need kind of low level preventative support, which is available through many services in Greater Manchester, including the Health and Wellbeing Programme. But The evidence shows that actually healthcare workers take longer than average to ask for help when they need it. Just for example, the figures from the Greater Manchester Resilience Hub 
show that about 85% or more of the healthcare workers approaching the Resilience Hub for Health are already scoring highly enough on those measures for depression and anxiety to be classed as a clinical case. So if they'd asked for help at an earlier stage, we can start to reduce those numbers and start to help people manage those issues before they become clinically significant in terms of that scoring. And we know the way that physical, mental well-being interact with each other and and you know you can get into that difficult spiral as you rightly say maybe people in primary care or in healthcare think that they should be stronger should be able to cope with this I think it's really positive that we have the link on the website, but also for anybody who listens to the podcast series, you might remember that one of the earlier podcasts that we did was very specifically focused on the Greater Manchester Resilience Hub. So I would encourage you to go back maybe and have a listen to that if you wanted to find out more. What I'm hearing, Dominic, is that there's a lot that's been done. There's a lot of support available. There's an easy way of navigating your way through all of this, either for yourself or for your staff. What's in the pipeline next for the programme? Dare I call it a programme, really? I think it's broader than that. For the primary care-focused health and well-being support. Well, There continues to be a huge amount of need for support within the primary care workforce. The environmental factors haven't changed and the pressures are unlikely to significantly improve. So we continue to look at what is needed across primary care. And actually, we're not working in isolation. We're working as part of an integrated approach to well-being for the whole health and social care workforce in Greater Manchester. And that's important because we don't want to duplicate any of the efforts that any particular provider is delivering across that footprint. And we want to make sure that all of those services are complementary to one another, but also accessible from whatever point that you access services depending on what you think is going to be useful for you. So the Greater Manchester system-wide approach is having that three-pronged element of psychological, practical and physical well-being. They're all equally important, which means it's not just about the mental well-being. That is equally important, but also the wider determinants. And there's a lot available within Greater Manchester, things like the Wellbeing Toolkit. We also did a podcast on that, which is available that people can listen to. Uh, Wellbeing workshops on topics like mindfulness, the psychology of burnout, sleep. Menopause is a big one because a lot of the health workforce are female and of an age where menopause is an issue. But the whole workforce, actually, regardless of your age or gender, needs to know about menopause. It's one of those issues that needs much more of a focus and there's a lot of support available in terms of menopause and information for people to take away, to take back into the workplace to support people to manage those kinds of issues. What the wellbeing programme is doing is looking at where the gaps are. So there are things, because I think primary care has always had some level of inequity of service, 
just the way it's developed and grown over the years. It's not a single organisation. It's a, a diverse assortment of different size businesses providing different levels of service, some of which are NHS, some of which are not necessarily NHS. So it's a fairly complicated landscape to work across and we're trying to work towards making it more equitable. So things like occupational health support, things like employee assistance programmes, things that maybe are more developed in secondary care or in other kind of business areas, we are constantly looking at the role of champions within primary care. And those are people who have a, an interest in well-being, but also in workplace or workforce issues generally, and are able to provide a focal point within that workplace for people to go to, to talk about what information is available, what resources are available. The champion can support people, signpost people into those resources which are available. But there's a, a, another big piece of work going on in Greater Manchester around workforce data, particularly in pharmacy, optometry and dentistry, which have never had great data around what the workforce looks like, which means it's quite hard to plan for that workforce around things like education and training, around bringing people in and keeping people in terms of retention in those workforces. So to get better data and better insight into those workforces will also have a, an impact on what information and support is available for the health and well-being of those particular workforces. And we're looking for workforce champions as part of that programme as well. So that would have an element of health and well-being in it, but it would also encompass all the workforce issues that are facing people at the moment and provide a focal point for support to gather the data to enable people to raise the issues that are affecting their particular workforce, which can be at a very local level, uh, a practice level, to a locality level, to a greater Manchester level. It's a, a way of providing more focus on those workforces to ultimately design better support for those workforces in the longer term. And I think that will link into the work that's already begun in dentistry around the health and well-being champions and, again, the subject of an earlier podcast. I'm just summarising what you've been saying there, Dominic, and there's a couple of things that sprung to mind for me. One is the programme itself began as a way of adding a bit more meat to the bone, shall I say, around support for primary care staff. But because of the links that we've now made across Greater Manchester and some of the national work, we have some elements of, of a programme which is primary care specific, but it also enables anybody who works in primary care to access very easily that plethora of support that's available out there. And I think the other thing that I'm hearing is that the one thing that you raised about the three elements of the GM programme, which wasn't just physical well-being, mental well-being, it was the practical support. So I'm just kind of thinking about the current circumstances that we're all finding ourselves in around the cost of living crisis, the issues we know all about the pay and conditions issues within the NHS. So I'm assuming that some of that practical support, you also mentioned the employee assistance programmes, EAPs, that we will hopefully be able to build on, that there'll be some very practical support there for primary care staff 
staff around financial support, dealing with debt, etc. And having that all in one place, I think, is really the way to go. So I think what I'm hearing is that if you need more or different, there's the possibility that we'll be able to work on that and provide you with that support. And I think I'm right in saying that if you go through the Primary Care Board website, you can actually contact Dominic that way. Yes, there's a contact us section on the website and that will come through to me for any health and wellbeing related questions or information that you need. And through that mechanism, we can arrange to come out and talk to your teams. We can arrange workshops. We can arrange whatever would be useful to you. We'd really like to hear from you and what the issues are that are currently facing you and your workforce. So please do contact us and let us know. Thanks, Dominic. And the offer is out there and I would encourage anyone to use that to inform the ongoing programme so that it becomes even more relevant or it maintains its relevancy for the issues that you're dealing with. So, Dominic, you've given us a really great oversight of all of the support that's available and what it covers. But if you could summarise the key messages that you want to get across to people about health and well-being, what would it be? One of the key messages is that you need to prioritise taking care of your health and well-being. You spend a lot of time taking care of other people and actually you can't pour from an empty cup. So you need to spend a bit of time every day just thinking about your own health and well-being. And that means applying the same values to yourself as you would to supporting other people. It means noticing, acknowledging and validating how you're feeling. It's okay not to be okay and it's okay to talk to other people about that. But equally, if you're spending time thinking about how you're feeling, spend as much time recognising the things that you've achieved today, no matter how small they are, they're really important. Take your own emotional temperature check every day. That's just a way of recognising how you're feeling and knowing if you need to do anything in terms of looking at the things that make you feel better. And the key thing to that is little and often, you don't need to make any big gestures, but the things that make a a difference to you, things like exercise, eating well, staying hydrated. The number of people who say to me that I've not had time to go to the loo this morning, and then they think, actually, I've not had a drink this morning. And, And that's because... They're not taking time, just those two minutes, five minutes, whatever it might be, just to take a breath, step away, and that then recharges you for going back into whatever is facing you next at work. It's really important to stay connected. That's with people in work and outside of work. And maybe reduce the demand that you're putting on yourself. You can't control all the environmental factors that are influencing what's happening to you, maybe in the workplace. And actually, whatever you've done is good enough and it's okay to be good enough. We don't have to be perfect all the time. If we can't control the external factors, recognise what you've done for the person you've just spoken to and recognise that's good enough. Really, the key to it is being the change you want to see. Be part of the cultural change that we need within primary care that helps everyone bring their whole self to work and feel comfortable about doing that. Don't feel guilty. It's important that 
you look after yourself. And when you look after yourself, you're in a much better position to look after other people. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dominic. Just to emphasise, the link to all that we've been talking about is available when you access this podcast. This podcast, I think, adds to the increasing series with lots of information, lots of support and lots of guidance. If you've missed any of the podcasts, do go back and download them for free. And we'd really love it if you could share them with your friends and colleagues. We want as many people as possible to hear all the useful advice that we've had from a series of amazing guests. Don't forget there's a wealth of information and advice on the Greater Manchester Primary Care Provider Board Health and Wellbeing Hub page too. All links are on the show page and you can also connect via our social media channels if you're involved in a project you want others to know about. The more we work together, the happier and healthier our workforce will be. This has been a Fresh Air production. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.